Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. All right, still hanging with you. The Mets, an 8-2 win over the Washington Nationals. And Jacob deGrom uh, picks up his second win of the season. Uh, yeah, another thing you might have heard from Jay Bruce earlier, if you were with us uh, before the news update there, you want to win those games where it's one of your best against one of their best. And you can argue until you're right in the face, who is the better top two? The Mets with Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard or the Nationals with Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer? When they have matched up now, at least for one game here in 2018, advantage Mets as DeGrom uh, was able to uh, to earn the win today and, and Michael Conforto helping him out in a big way. You know, one thing we, we haven't talked a whole lot about tonight, and, and I would say probably the first week I haven't uh, talked about all that much, is Ioannis Cespedes and how he looks early on this year. Remember in spring training, he had... Oh, right wrist issue, needed a cortisone injection to get past that. But he looks phenomenal uh, to begin the year. And if you make a mistake with a curveball or down in the zone, he is just absolutely going to punish you. And he got off to a similar start last year, and then the leg problem started to develop. But it would appear that he has made the necessary adjustments with his training. Uh, he's not as muscular as he was last season, uh, incorporated more running and some yoga in his routine. He appears to be you know, really locked in and focused as well. We haven't you know, seen any of those lapses that you'd occasionally get from you on Cespedes in the past and uh he's just uh he, he looks like a man on a mission this year I'll tell you what and you know that's got to be one of the things you point to with Mickey Callaway he made a point right off the bat of developing a relationship with Ioannis Cespedes and, and they went out to dinner early on uh in Callaway's tenure just about you know a week or so after he had gotten the job and and they were able to bond a little bit they didn't talk a whole lot of baseball talked about you know hunting and and things like that and uh it would appear that you know they've gotten Cespedes to to buy in and I I think for Cespedes he's never going to be like a David Wright captain of the team he's not that kind of leader but the guys the Mets players all seem to respond to him because he can wow them uh, with uh, with his feats of athleticism and uh, the way you know that he goes about you know how he plays the game and what he's capable of when he's out there on the field. He's always um, you know provided that, and uh, it's been a, a tremendous start. For Ioannis Cespedes, now three home runs here. Uh, he's gotten on base. He's been able to to do everything uh, you'd ask of him. And you know, today he could have had an assist from the outfield. Uh, you know, one of the great relay throw from Jose Reyes to home plate. But uh, everything looks good for Cespedes. And you just hope the the quad, the hamstring, those leg issues that he had last year are you know absolutely a thing in the past. And if he and Michael Conforto are playing in you know, 100-plus games together over the course of this year, you know, that makes the Mets extremely dangerous uh, offensively. And that is how you know, they could keep the lineup deep and have threats one through nine uh, throughout this lineup. And I say nine because you know Med Rosario has been hitting that spot for the most part. So uh, that's been um, you know a- another bright spot here for the Mets. I know it feels odd uh, to be talking about so many positives for the Mets uh, after you know, the last couple of years where it just seems there's always uh, some kind of you know panic city lurking in the background. But five and one to begin the season. 
And it's not just that they're winning games. I think it's you can see how it looks, the decision making, the how the players look. Everything looks legit. Lugo and Gesellman look that good out of the pen. It's not just that they're getting guys out. See the stuff. It's it's really nasty. Uh, this guy's been uh, fantastic. Uh, should we grab some more calls? 800-321-0710. Uh, we'll go to Dan in Jersey City. Dan, uh, you're on The Voice of New York. What's up, Dan? Oh, I'm sorry. I got to hit the button. What's up, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, we got you now. How you doing? How you doing, Pete? Good. So, you know, I keep hearing about uh, people saying, oh, they like the change in leadership. Uh, I, I was not, a, you know, I, I, I like Terry Collins. You know, it wasn't a, a question the last two years of not having enough talent. We've had great talent. It was just a question of keeping them on the field. Yeah. And I, and I remember last year watching, I think it was Ron Darling. He just, somebody got hurt. I don't remember who it was. And he just went on a rant about, that's it. We need physical trainers. We need athletic trainers who are who have a a, a, a baseball background. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, baseball background. Mm-hmm. So and then and then after that, I mean, he never mentioned a word about that again for the rest of the season. So they must have shut him up. So my question. Well, they made the is, changes. That's part of it. That that well, that's my question. I wasn't sure. Did they make those changes? What 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 happened with that? Yeah, they they changed. You know, the trainer. Uh, you know, Brian Chicolo is the trainer now, and Ray Ramirez is out, but. Uh, they they changed their processes for a lot of things, uh, you know, both in terms of how they report it to the the press and you know not raising expectations too soon and, and things of that nature. I mean, you can see how cautious they were with Conforto, where they wouldn't confirm he's coming back until today. Yesterday, you know, Callaway's just kind of smirking and saying likely, uh, and they knew he was coming back today. Uh, but you know, that's been different. Um, but. I just think the proof will be in the pudding as the year goes on. I don't want to make too much out of the first few weeks here, but uh, but yeah, they they really dove into how they are handling injuries, how the players are training, how they're handling all of this, and I can't give you absolute specifics on what they have changed, but uh, they've they've made they've advanced. And that's probably the biggest, the best way of putting it. They've advanced. Uh, you know, Mickey Callaway when he was in Cleveland, a specific example. Uh, you know, talked about how they would check the hydration levels of the players. Right? We, we always heard that as a complaint with Cespedes that he wasn't hydrating enough, and therefore he'd have the muscle problems. Well, uh, Callaway in Cleveland basically test the guys. You, you could test how hydrated they are, and if you're not at the level you need to be, you're not going to play that day. And if you're able to institute that kind of thing, uh, that helps. And we'll have uh, Anthony DeComo. He covers the Mets for MLB.com, and he's on a day-to-day basis there. And I'll ask him about uh, what specifically is different with the training to you know, try to keep this team healthy, which will be uh, as big a key as any. Julio in the Bronx. How are we doing, Julio? Hey, what's going on, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Julio. What's up? Uh, first, I would like to say uh, thank you. Uh, last year at City Field, uh, you took a picture with my son. And, um, you know, he's a big fan of yours. Wow, my pleasure. My pleasure, Julio. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about um, how the front office is. I think they made a great decision picking uh, Callaway as a, as, a head, as a head man, being that he is a pitching coach. Because, um, you know, pitching wins games. You know, we got the big bats, we got Cespedes, we got Bruce, you know, Conforto has the potential to be a batting champ. But when it comes down to playoff time and stuff like that, it's the Aces that win them games. 
Well, you got to have a pitcher, especially when you get into the postseason. I, I, you got to hit your way to the postseason. It's the way I look at it, and you pitch your way through it. Uh, you know, a little simplistic, but I, I do think it's the case. It's why you know the Mets and Cubs met out, met up that year. You know, the Mets went through, and, and the Cubs did not. You know, Murph had a lot to do with it too, of course. But you know, the Mets pitching uh, was able to you know slow down that that Cubs lineup, and yeah, the, the great pitching will beat the the great hitting more often than not. Um, but this team's built on its pitching. They're going to go as far as the starting pitching can take them. If those guys are healthy and capable, the Mets are going to be just fine this year. And, uh, again, I, I love the hiring of Callaway. I love the, the hiring of a pitching coach. I've talked about on the show over the years. Why you know, I'm wondering why you don't see more of that when those are the big decisions that have to be made. Those are the decisions that uh, you know we all go nuts about, right? Dusty Baker with Mark Pryor all those years ago. It's not just when to take a guy out of the game. It's also how do you manage them over the entire season. Cowboys accustomed to doing that. Uh, handing the keys to those decisions to somebody who hasn't made them before, to me, is wild. But... You know, Callaway's been uh, involved in that specifically, and you know he'll learn how to double switch along the way. I'd rather a guy learn how to double switch and some of those things than uh, have to learn how to handle a pitching staff. Anthony DeComo covering the Mets for MLB.com will be with us uh, when we come back. Uh, the Mets, an 8-2 win over the Nationals today. Uh, plenty of time to talk about it. We're with you until 9 o'clock. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Well, the Mets land the first shot uh, in what might be a battle in 2018. We shall see between the Mets and the Nationals there in the NL East. And uh, we go down to D.C. right now. Anthony DeComo does an outstanding job covering the Mets for MLB.com. is with us there. And uh, Tony, great to have you on. How you doing? I'm good, Pete. I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, everything's great over here. So uh, the Mets, uh, you know, managed this win. Um, you know, Mickey Callaway talked at times, hey, it's a, it's another game and, and not making too much of it. But did anything that you heard in the clubhouse belie the fact that this was not just another game, another win for this Mets uh, squad? Yeah, you know what? I, I think actually uh, of all the post-game comments, I think Jay Bruce put it best. And he said something to the effect of, this wasn't a win that we had to have, but it was a win that is really nice to have. And that's so true because, look, the Mets could have lost this game as six of the season, and they would have been just fine. It wouldn't have affected what they do this year. They're still going to see the Nationals 17, 18 more times over the course of the season. They've still got another 156 to play. So in that sense, you don't want to make too big a deal out of one game in April. But... This was the Nationals' home opener. It was sold out. It was a really nice atmosphere at the ballpark. You're facing, obviously, the team that's won two straight division titles. The team that, quite frankly, if you want to get to where you want to be, you're going to have to go through these guys. So to kind of come out and get that win and do it in, in a pretty dominant fashion, the win from Mets did, 8-2, to two, um, getting out to an, you know, an early advantage and then ultimately you know, making it into a bit of a laugh or lady, it was a really nice afternoon for the Mets. There's no other way to put it. Uh, they didn't have to have it, but as Jay Bruce said, it's, it's a good one to have in their pocket. Oh, certainly, and uh, we're talking with Anthony DeComo, covers the Mets for MLB.com, and you've been covering this team for a number of years now. Do you believe that you can set the tone early, whether it be for the Mets as a season overall, now 5-1, and one, or uh, you know, just telling the Nationals it's going to be different than it was in 2017? Look, it's better to do it this way, for sure. And, I mean, look, 
you can go back to, uh, I think it was 2012, 2013, the Mets cut off to uh, surprisingly good starts those those years, very good starts. They weren't a team that was expected to compete and ultimately didn't compete. So there can be a bit of a mirage factor when we see early in the season. But then you look at 2015, for example. Mets got off to a really good start, then went ice cold. Ultimately, that good start and those games that they won, they count. And they were wound up being pretty critical late in the year when the Mets were fighting for the playoffs and ultimately won the division. So I, I think we forget sometimes that these games do count. The Mets are going to need to win games against the Nationals and against everybody. Uh, because it's early, you always say that. You say it's early. You know, you have plenty of time, plenty of time. But ultimately, if you have a nice 20-game run to start the season before ultimately becoming what you are becoming, those 20 games count. And if you go 16-4 and four in them, you know, you are you have a head start that other teams in baseball do not. So don't let anyone fool you. It's important to do what the Mets are doing here. 5-1 and one is a very nice start. And if they can keep it going, certainly they can go places. And not only that, you know, yes, all the wins count, but considering how last year went, this has to be meaningful for this team to get back on the, the right side of the ledger. They only won six games against the Nationals all year last year. And if you reverse that and have the Mets be the team that wins 13 and loses six, then they're winning the division last I mean, that's, that's basically the difference. Um so, and I'm not saying that that's something that could have happened last year. The Nationals are clearly the better team with all the injuries the Mets had and, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the Nationals stumble a little bit. If the Mets get hot, whatever, if you can go and you can win 11, 12 games against the team in your division, the team that's supposed to win the division, you can change that story really, really quick. So, yeah, I think it was important. I, I don't like to say it was a, a statement because it's not like the Nationals are going home and cowering now uh, because the Mets beat them in their home opener, but it, it was an important one. And I think, uh, you know, look, the Mets know they can beat Steven Strasburg. Um, you know, they've beaten Max Scherzer in the past. That one's a little harder in my estimation, but it's always good to have confidence. And, and the next time they see Strasburg, for example, they're going to say, well, look what we did last time. We had three home runs against them. We kind of knocked them around his old ballpark a little bit. And they can draw on that, and they can draw on that experience, knowing that they can do it again. So it's it's a good thing to win, is the bottom line. It's a very good thing to win. And Michael Conforto had one of those home runs off of Steven Strasburg, and Jay Bruce joked after the game that you know, he had uh, his two rehab at-bats uh, early on and then was able to take Strasburg deep. But, I mean, that's amazing to not – I mean, he had a couple of games in spring training, but not to see a whole lot of live major league pitching. You walk out – against Steven Strasburg for your first action, and you're going to homer in that game? Did you um, you know, notice some amazement from Conforto's teammates that he was able to pull that off? Yeah, I was, uh, I was shocked, not because I didn't think Michael Conforto could do it. I was shocked because he just didn't look that good in his first two plate appearances, and uh, it's obviously to be expected. Like you said, he hasn't seen a ton of pitching, and frankly, that's the reason why you send a guy like that on a rehab assignment. It's not because you're worried about the shoulder or you think there's more that he needs to do to get the shoulder healthy. It's because you want him to see pitching and ultimately good pitching, upper-level pitching. You would want him to go to Las Vegas and, and, you know, see guys who are close to the big leagues and see that type of arm. They didn't do that. Um, and frankly, Conforto came out in his first at-bat. He took a fastball down the middle and then threw two other fastballs right down the middle. Look, the last one was 97 miles an hour, so it's something to sneeze at. But that's also a pitch, a pitch that a healthy on-time Michael Conforto, uh, I'm sure he thinks he can hit and has hit in the past. So you get that, swing through another fastball, his next at bat, hits into a double play. It wasn't all that well struck. Uh, you do start to wonder, like, ooh, maybe the timing 
not quite there just yet. But come back in his third place, hit that home run, hit it the opposite way, which we saw him do all last year, and he's so, so good at. It's definitely a very good sign. I think it gives you confidence that this is the right move and that this is uh, the Michael Conforto that we're going to see more often than not from here on out. And uh, that outfield certainly with a lot of potential. And Anthony DeComo down in D.C., of course, uh, follow his work, MLB.com. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Anthony DeComo. And, uh, Tony, we appreciate the time. Thanks. I got you. Got it, Pete. Anytime. All right, uh, Anthony DeComo, uh, perhaps uh, the Metro there uh, down in DC, but uh, giving us uh, some of the info from the Mets clubhouse today. And you know, as um, yeah, as he talked about, and, and he mentioned Jay Bruce saying this that it wasn't a game that they had to have or anything like that, but it's one that you like to have. And I I do think that. Um, you know, there is a, a statement, a message that goes along with winning a game like this and, and not only winning it, but doing it in the fashion that the Mets did today against Steven Strasburg. You didn't, you didn't beat AJ Cole in the Nationals home opener. Now, you didn't beat, you know, a random pitcher they had on the mound. You went at one of the big two for the Washington Nationals and you had Jacob DeGrom on the hill and you fought through and, and found a way. And DeGrom had to fight through. Bases loaded, nobody out with a two-run lead in the sixth inning and he's able to get out of that jam. Uh, and we've seen, you know, of course, DeGrom had that kind of feistiness in the past and the ability to bear down. Uh, but it's it's impressive. Every time you see it uh, from Jacob DeGrom and I really do think that there are tones that can be set early. And, and Tony mentioned 2015 and how you know they won some games early and that those games counted in the bank as things went lousy and the offense dried up in May and June. But they also knew, based on those April games, that, hey, when we get everybody back, when we're healthy, we're a team to be reckoned with. And what we forget sometimes in 2015 is that they had to get Daniel Murphy back from the DL that year in the, in the middle of July. And uh, they got David Wright back uh, a little bit later than that. They they got some players back that were out for a couple of months. And then they also added, of course, Ioannis Cespedes and called up Michael Conforto and guys like Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe. But it was getting back some healthy players that made a difference. And, and the Mets knew, hey, get healthy and we could compete. And they were able to get healthy. And now for the Mets this year, they know, and they should know right now, that they could compete. And they could beat a Strasburg. They could beat the Nationals down in D.C. in front of a sold-out crowd. And it's just a matter of you know, making sure they, they keep all those horses out there on the field and uh, show what they could do. And that'll be... You know, as we've talked about from day one with this team, as big a key as any, uh, you know, can they stay out there? How far can the pitching take them? And and those are the things that will likely decide the Mets' season. But you you do like the way this offense is setting up right now where um, in years past it was, man, how many at-bats, how many batters till Cespedes gets up again? Or how many batters until Conforto gets up again? And that's it. And, uh, you know, watching the games, I don't feel that way now. And I don't, when Kevin Ploiecki's up batting seventh, I don't think it's a lost inning. Uh, you know, you feel like, all right, they can get something done and uh, get some guys on base and turn it over. And you, you haven't had that feeling at a lot of different times in the past few years, even even in 2015 for a lot of that season. Uh, 800-321-0710, the number again, 800-321-0710. Uh, we can take some calls. We'll have Sal Licata, uh with us at 7.05 as he'll pop into the studio and we'll get uh, his take on, his, on the game. His buddy Hansel Robles with another scoreless 
inning of relief. Struck out three. Uh, struck out the side again. How about Hansel, baby? He's uh, he's hot right now. Uh, so that's all coming up. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710-WOR. 710-WOR. You're in the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Well, minor league season starts today as well. The Mets uh, putting out their, their AAA Las Vegas 51s lineup. Yeah, Matt Dendecker at center, Gavin Cicchini at second, Dom Smith batting third, playing first base. Uh, Luis Guillorme had a, a real good spring training, batting seventh at shortstop. Jose Lobaton behind the plate, so uh, that's what you're looking at down there at at AAA Las Vegas. There's not a whole lot of minor league depth uh, on this team, but Dom Smith is certainly part of that. Uh, otherwise, the the prospects that the Mets do have that are highly rated are all pretty low in the system now. Uh, so the Mets are deep on the major league 25 man roster, where you know Lugo and Gaselman give them options out of the pen potentially in the rotation in the future. Wilmer Flores and Brandon Nimmo, as well as Juan Lagares, coming off the bench uh, for this Mets team. Now they've got two catchers that they're alternating as starters in Darno and Ploiecki, uh, but uh, you get beyond the 25 man roster, and it thins out a, a little bit beyond uh, what Dom Smith could you know give to the Mets uh, at first base. And you know we had Sandy Alderson on uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he said they still like uh, you know Dom Smith, and you didn't get the opportunity to do a whole lot this spring training with the quad injury and showing up late for that first game. Uh, but uh, they, you know, who knows? He, he might still end up playing a role here as Adrian Gonzalez hasn't. He's been okay, uh, but he hasn't, you know, been a, a star early on here, and, and we'll see how Gonzalez settles in over the next few weeks. But uh, let's grab some more calls. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Mike in Jersey, how we doing, Mike? We got you, Mike. Pete, that's you? Yes, yes. What's going on, Mike? You're on oh, the air. Uh, not, oh, good. It's Mike from Mayapak, not Jersey. Oh, Please Mike from Mayapak. What, sorry about that, Mike. What's happening? Sorry, man. You do a great job, first of all. And Thank it's you. wonderful to listen to you at this time slot. Perfect, man. Really perfect. Thanks. My question is, at what point is Jose Reyes' spot on the 25-man in jeopardy, and how do we replace him? Or who do we replace him with? I mentioned Luis Guillorme. I loved what Guillorme showed in exactly. spring training. Exactly. When you said him and I'm sitting here on hold and I'm, that's the guy I'm thinking of, why can't we put him in this position? I mean, raise his years behind him. And look at the play. You, you're stealing second base with the pitcher up and two outs. That nah, drove me nuts this week. I agree. It totally put Reyes on the radar to me. And then the next half inning, he's making an error on a ball hit by the pitcher. It, it absolutely was – it struck me as a selfish play. It did. He's trying to steal second base with Matt Harvey up and two out. What's the point? So now you get caught stealing at second, and Harvey has to lead off the next inning. Now, because the Mets are catching all the breaks this year, Harvey leads off the inning with a hit. But that's not a smart baseball play, and that's not something that a veteran coming off the bench as basically the 25th man on the roster should be doing. That was problematic to me. And today, you know, Reyes 0 for 4 at the plate, a bad throw home. I think of Rosario's playing, I think most shortstops, that's a strike to home plate, that's an easy out. Adam Eaton is dead to rights at home plate early in this game. Uh, but Reyes, you know, was off the mark, you know, threw it wide and, and didn't give Kevin Ploiecki a chance to try to, you know, grab that and, and sweep back through. So, um, you know, how long does he have? I think he has time, you know. 
like we talked about, you cut Reyes and you let him go, and then you know all of a sudden, let's say Rosario gets hurt, now you're thin. So you, you, even if you have Guillaume on the roster, you, you thin it out a little bit in a way that you don't have to right now. So that's why Adrian Gonzalez and Jose Reyes, I don't know. There's a picture I can put on this, it's, but those veteran guys that the the fans you know are circling in on, and that you know, I think. Straight up, you know, they're not as talented as some of the other players uh, that are around them. They they get opportunity because there's nothing you can really do with them. You can't send them down to the minors. They're on the big league roster, and they don't have options. So, you know, Gonzalez and Reyes are going to get every opportunity. Uh, I think May 1st will be probably the first big date to check in on them once again and, and how it's all going. Neither of them is making a whole lot of money, so that part of it shouldn't be a big deal. It's really just a matter of, you know, do you want to, you know, cut loose some of your depth? And, you know, how's Dom Smith performing at first base in the minors in the case of Adrian Gonzalez? And uh, for Reyes, you know, how's Rosario doing? You know, those guys are close. How will it affect him? And, uh, and so on and so forth. But uh, maybe one thing that'll help out Reyes, just to, you know, be devil's advocate with him, he was awful uh, the first month, maybe two months of last year, and then he finished the season strong. So, you know, maybe he gets, uh, you know, a kick being a slow starter, and he'll kick it up in the second half of the season, uh, and that's something the Mets could fall back on. But, um, yeah, early on, I, I haven't liked the results in, in trying to steal that base the other night. That that drove me nuts as well. Uh, George in Red Bank. What's up, George? Hey, Pete, how are you? Good, good. Good, yeah. Uh, a couple things. Uh you know, love what, you know, you were exactly right when you were talking with, uh, you know, the reporter here from MLB. This was definitely a statement game, uh, without a doubt, uh, you know, from a confidence level. Um, and just look at the up and down the lineup. You know, there's very few gaps, which having Conforto back, I think, is absolutely huge. And the one question I wanted to ask is, of course, it's being offset by what everybody else is doing, but Adrian Gonzalez you know, thinking about, you know, can you have him platoon, you know, put Bruce there. But as long as everybody's hitting, I'm fine with his slap singles here and there. I know you want to yeah. see a power hitter at first base, but you, you have to like his glove. And I don't trust Bruce there every single day. Um, you know, the only time I would change a first base, hopefully, if they continue hitting, is if Dominic Smith comes up and he has that bat because he is a good glove at first base. I don't trust Bruce there all the time. Flores is another guy, and he who he's who I predicted at the start of the season will get the most time at first base. And and Flores, yeah, you can have some you know concerns about his glove as well. Uh, but Gonzalez, he's he's fit in fine uh, to this point with this team overall. I know he had you know something to do with the the pepper grinder that that all these guys have been doing when they get on base. And um, you know you, if you're worried about him fitting in with the clubhouse, that seemingly hasn't been any kind of an issue. It's just a matter of you want your best guys playing, and at a certain point in the year, uh, those are the moves that get made. And, and Gonzalez will have to show it. And, and yeah, I, I like having a little power at first base. I think you need to to have that, and we haven't seen it from Gonzalez yet. But uh, he he certainly hasn't been any kind of a, a problem. Uh, I just I've been skeptical about him from the start. You know, you you sign a guy 35, 36 years old, coming off a season rife with back problems where he didn't have any power. Uh, that worries me. And the glove does play. He's still solid defensively over there. But um, you know, I, I I like to have a little a little more over there at first base. But but like I say, I think if uh, if he's going to start losing playing time, the 
first guy that I think will get a chance is Wilmer. I think Wilmer Flores will get some opportunities over there at first base, not just against the lefties, but against some righties as well. Joe in Hershey, Pennsylvania. How we doing, Joe? Hey, Pete, how you doing? Good. I uh, kept telling you over the winter uh, that I had a pretty good feeling about this with Gazelman going to the bullpen. Howie Rose today couldn't stop marveling about him. He said that he's embracing the role, mm-hmm. and he said that he's actually, he believes, if he, I mean, it's still early, but he may, he's going to play a major role with us uh, down the road because he's, he's really been lights out. The stuff is next level, and he you know had a nice sinker two years ago. Last year he totally lost it. This year that pitch it 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 runs in on right-handers. It runs down. It's filthy, and you complement it with a breaking ball. It's been a totally different pitcher. Because Selman had like a six ERA last year, but he's been a completely different pitcher. It's not just thrown out of the pen, in my opinion. I, I think it's he found that pitch again. And that stuff is just playing. I, I think it would play out of the rotation, dirty. out of the bullpen. Yeah. He looks great. He's dirty. And Howie also mentioned that, you know, we're familiar and stuff. I know we got to give him some time, uh, you know, with the operation and everything. But Howie said he wouldn't be surprised if Gazelman starts, uh, uh, you know, going into the eighth and ninth inning at times and stuff like that to close out the game uh, if he goes at the pace he's going. Also with Agon. Uh, I like his glove. I like his leadership in the infield for now. Uh, but like you said, I have no problem with Wilma Flores uh, if, if that's the case to get more playing time. And Matt Harvey, he has a lot to prove this year. He's on a mission. Yeah. I really believe he's going to be lights out. I don't care if we lose him at the end of the year. As long as we get to the promised land, mm. that's all I care about. But I told you over the winter, I think Harvey, with, you know, with the change of scenery with Mickey Calloway, it's just a different vibe with this team. No knock on Collins personally, but just a different vibe. I feel confident uh, with with our lineup, with the hitting. Like you said, we're not just depending on Cespedes. I mean, I just got you know. Thank God. Hopefully, they all stay healthy. That's all I care about. Yeah, that's the sweat. Uh, that, that's the sweat that'll be happening for the next six months here. Uh, keeping them on the field. But thanks for the call, Joe. And. Uh, and yeah, no, it's definitely been a different vibe. There's no doubt about it. And and when you're winning games, it always seems like guys are getting along and you know, you get to do the pepper grinder and all that. Like uh when they lost that Sunday game to the Cardinals, when it looks like one of those games where oh, they don't have any energy, but you know, there's nothing to celebrate. There's nothing to get excited about. There's nothing to provide energy if you're not on the bases. When you ground out the shortstop, there's no opportunity to show energy in that uh, that situation. So I always, you know, sometimes think that's a catch twenty two. But just the way the guys are talking, you listen to them after the game, and you know, there does seem to be more of a focus, more of a purpose, and just. Uh, it just it just feels different. I mean, there's no doubt it's a, it's a different vibe, and and they're healthy, which is a uh, a huge thing. You know, last year they had to feel defeated at times when they're running out lineups that just weren't good enough. They didn't have their best players in the lineup, I and mean, there were times last year where they didn't have Conforto, they didn't have Syndergaard, and uh, they didn't have uh, Cespedes. I mean, there was significant chunks of the season where those three weren't a part of the equation at all. So, yeah, you're not going to have a whole lot of confidence as a group when uh, you're without your best players. But, um, you know, so far this season, so far, so good. And it's important to get off to a good year. And for the fans, too. Uh, you know, the fans need this, too. It's not just the players shaking off last year. I think it's the fans. The Mets had to win over and have to still 
win over their fan base again because there wasn't a big signing this offseason. There wasn't uh, a huge press conference at City Field. There wasn't that moment where Mets fans are, hey, the Mets are back. They made this, but they got this done. We're here all offseason. We're talking Mets every night. That moment never happened this offseason. It was just stay healthy, stay healthy, stay healthy. You know, make this big side, make this big trade, go get this guy. And they didn't really do a whole lot of those moves. They didn't jump in on Andrew McCutcheon. They didn't jump in on Evan Longoria. They didn't go for the big name. They didn't sign Mike Moustakis. Uh, you know, not that they didn't do anything, but they didn't go star hunting. And for the Mets now, and for their fans, I think they had to show early on, hey, this is going to be a different team. This isn't going to be another 70-win campaign, or at least not as long as the the best players are out there on the field. And uh, to get off this kind of start and get the fans behind them and have some people optimistic, and you know, I know, I know everybody's like, ah, they're pulling me in. They're sucking me in. They're going to set me up. But that's what it is. Hanzo Robles has faced six batters and struck them all out. He's setting you up. <laughs> the Mets are doing it overall, but um, they they needed to do that. I, I think I think the fan base really needed this team to get off to a good start to to get behind them. Uh, but we'll take some more calls coming up. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Salicott will be with me at seven oh five. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R. York seven ten W O R. You're in the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. All right, grab a couple more calls here. Mets an 8-2 win against the Washington Nationals. Big return for Michael Conforto, a two-run homer. Score another run uh, after he had walked in the seventh inning on the Jay Bruce Grand Slam. And if you caught the replay, Conforto, as he's creeping down the third baseline and sees Bruce's uh, eventual Grand Slam in the air, and he is leaping. He's got the the pointer finger up, saying number one. A little, uh, little excitement. Not just another game uh, for this Mets team. Let's put it that way. Uh, 800-321-0710. Kevin in Connecticut. How we doing, Kevin? Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to uh, mention Nemo. I mean, like to me, he's like your prototypical leadoff guy. Mm-hmm. And the guy that's cut, I, I can't, I mean, we're talking about a slap hitter at first base. I mean, that's what we have in Nemo. I mean, I, I, maybe more. I mean, he hit one off the wall today. It would have been a home run if he... Uh, you know, didn't hit it to the deepest part of the park. That I mean, he's batting three seventy five. I know short sample, but how do you get him in there on on a semi? It's a great question because we had Jay Bruce on last week, and, and Jay says he's willing to play first base and he'll do whatever uh, it takes for the team, and they just want to go to the World Series. But the fact that he didn't play any first base in spring training at all, it just seems that somehow, some way, they're not going to get him to first base on a regular basis. So Nimmo is basically at the will of Bruce, Cespedes, and Conforto, their health, how much time they need to play. And uh, he could still be a threat off the bench, as he showed today. But he, he, but he, looks, like a, he looks like an everyday player. He looks point. good. I he, mean, and, and you know, we're in, it, it, this isn't the late 90s where, you know, it, all, they're all hopped up on steroids and a 38-year-old is going to pop you 40 home, you know, home runs. <laughs> We got to go with the young guys. It's a young man's game, and yes. Nemo, you know, he could be. I don't know. Maybe I'm exaggerating. He could be an all-star leadoff center fielder, for God's sake. Well, he doesn't have to be an all-star. And thanks for calling, Kevin. He just needs. They haven't had a real leadoff hitter in years. What was the last time the Mets 
And it doesn't have to be, I, I, if I use the word prototypical, you start thinking of speedsters, but where the Mets had a leadoff hitter that wasn't like a 30 homer guy, right? It, it's been Conforto, it's been Curtis Granderson. For years, they've been basically miscasting middle of the lineup bats and putting them at the top. Nimmo is exactly what you want the modern day leadoff hitter to be. He has a little bit of pop, he gets on base. And yeah, he's not a number three, number four hitter. He belongs in that spot. Get on base for you know the Cespedes and Confortos of the world, and you know let them drive you in. And and Nimmo does all that. Uh, he's been he's been real real solid uh, from last September spring training to what we've seen early this season. He spanked that ball today. That was nearly a home run missed by I guess he's about six feet shy on the wall of sending it out there at Nationals Park. Uh, but I don't see a clear path to playing time for him because I just Based on everything and how the Mets handled first base and Jay Bruce this spring training, I don't think you're suddenly going to see Bruce run out there every day. And that's why I still bet, you know, Wilmer Flores will see time over there at first if uh, Gonzalez flounders, Dom Smith next, but Jay Bruce at first base, I still have a hard time seeing it. So, you know, Nimmo will be coming off the bench and getting some spot starts for now. Uh, more calls coming up, 800-321-0710. Sal Licata will be in studio, so we'll have some fun with him. He should be glowing today, uh, but right now let's get a news update. You are. Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. What up, Sal? What's up, Pete? Hey, hey. Good to be back with you. Good to have you back. All right, so you're glowing here and uh, all excited about the Mm. Mets. I got breaking news. I got breaking news before we we dive into this Mets game. I got breaking news. It happened again. Tim Tebow, new level. Home run, first at bat, double A Binghamton. So he did it his first time in single A? He did, he's done it every time. Every time he has a first game somewhere, he starts off with a home run. So he went yard on the first pitch he saw with the double A Binghamton Rumble Ponies. What's the old saying? It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And in the case of Tim Tebow, I think nothing rings truer. Oh, come on. You can't have a little fun with it. Oh, come on, fun. the Mets are 5-1 and one about to win the division here, Pete. You're talking about wait, Tim just, Tebow. Wait, we were talking about the game. Yeah. <laughs> Tebow hit a home run. It's no. big news. It's going to be uh, all over the bottom line for the rest of the evening. Hey, look, if Hansel Robles could have two clean innings, we're striking out six of the seven hitters he's faced, anything is possible. I wouldn't be shocked <laughs> one day to see Tebow up at the big league. Tebow's homering. Robles is striking <laughs> guys out. What is happening is he around not, here? Is he spotting dimes? I don't know what to believe. Does it feel odd to you that... Everything could even conceivably possibly go as right as it has for the Mets in this first week? It does because I think they're a good team in excellent hands with Mickey Calloway. Now, look, you know, I mean, the best teams in baseball have major bumps on the road, and that's really when you learn about players, when you learn about managers, when you learn about a team as a whole. When things go wrong, how do they respond? So we'll get to that point eventually, but you hope, you know, maybe it doesn't come till May. I mean, let them keep winning series, keep winning these ball games here, pad their record. And, you know, look, this is, I mean, this is a great start. And it's not just about the record, it's about how they're doing it. The way that they're doing it, you believe that they can sustain that type of success. It's not an aberration. It's the depth and the location and the lineup. It is the bullpen and how that has come together here. The pitching, the starting pitching is healthy, so we know what those guys are capable of. And while there hasn't been that awesome performance right yet from any of these starting pitchers, they've all been 
good enough and plenty good enough to be able to to win some of these games and put the Mets in position to get that done. And I think the next two games in particular will be the most important games of this early season for them because of who was starting. I mean, well, yeah, obviously because of who they're playing as well, but specifically because it's Mets and because it's Harvey scheduled to both face the Nationals. Who knows what happens with the snow or the mm-hmm. rain on Saturday, but as of now, uh, that's why it's of major importance to see if they can get one more of these next two against the Nats and get the you know first you get the series win the first time you see them in their first series of the year in their home ballpark that would be huge for this team yeah no those are uh, big spots for those guys is there the wild cards x factors in a lot of ways in the rotation to me one of the two needs to set up mm. step up and be a clear three right behind Cindergard and Degrom they don't have to be at that level but a tick below and then the other one you just want to see major league competent back of the rotation pitching. I think if they can and they can hit that out of these two. They don't both have to be great, but one of them very good and one of them okay. That will be a huge win for this team. Because you know what you're getting with Vargas when he eventually comes back. You know what you're getting out of the pen for the most part with the majority of arms back there. I know some will be up and down throughout the course of the year, but this should be a good pen, and they should have great weapons with Gazelman and Lugo. Um, Again, you know Vargas, you just don't know Matt and Harvey, how they're going to hold up. And, you know, Harvey could go five squirrels against the Phils all he wants. He's got to be better than that against the better teams. I mean, if he goes out there and gets bludgeoned against the Nats, if he does face them this weekend, then that's a problem. I mean, Steven Matz, I would trust more so against a better team, but he can't. He didn't get through, you know, past the fourth inning last time out. So I, there's a lot of questions with those two guys. Now uh, let's, let's rewind to the game today. Was there? You're an emotional guy. I don't. I haven't I watched am? too many Mets games yeah. with you, but uh, you can react. What? What was the moment in the game that you got uh, either you know happiest, or was there anything that made you throw uh, a headphone or something? No, I'm. Not, it's way too early for that. And honestly, I don't even know if I have that. It's in never me. too early for that. Yeah, it's it's too early for that. I, I I always say I'm not sure if I have it in me, but when the games mean something for real in September, I'll I'll definitely have that in me. I today, um, I mean, you get pumped up with Conforto because I love him. Love to see him take Strasburg. It's amazing. How do you come back yeah, after not really facing live pitching? You get Steven Strasburg. He didn't look particularly good in those first two at-bats. And then he's taking him deep? Yeah, no, How's that possible? How do you do that? As I tweeted, he looked, his swing looks great, but he used to work on that pepper grinder. Did you see that? That was a I didn't week, see what he did. Week it wasn't before. good? It just didn't How look How do you good. mess it up? Like, are his hands too far yeah, apart? Yeah, they or? were too far apart. It was oh, okay. awkward. He's not really pepper grinding. Anyway, um, <laughs> the defense was poor. You know, Reyes, again, that's, yeah. that's a little bit of a problem. That will get me fired up. But Cespedes, Conforto, and then DeGrom in the sixth inning. Dude, DeGrom continues to show why he is the true ace of this stat. I mean, that's sixth inning. You could talk about Harvey, five scrolls, and how great it is, but DeGrom today, regardless of the numbers, had a much better start than Matt Harvey did the other night. That's why it's not just about the stats. And this is something that DeGrom has done since he's been here with the big club. I mean, he gets overlooked by Harvey in 2015, overlooked by Syndergaard in 2016, and the start of last year, even the start of this year, but he's the one who consistently goes out there and performs and battles and wins games against good teams. He's just a grinder, I mean, no yeah. matter what. He can. Some days he has that stuff where he can strike out 12 and they're all chasing the high fastball and it's dominant. And then more often than not, it, it, it's not easy for him. And you could kind of see why the scouts didn't have him on the same plane as Harvey and Syndergaard when he was working his way through. He was on the same plane as Rafael Montero uh, working his way through, but... Like, how do you measure what a guy can do? And he showed it in that first major league start against right. the Yankees in the Subway Series. They could get in trouble and withstand it. And, you know, you have to, he's a guy you have to find out about 
in those spots at the major league level and how guys are going to handle it. And he's just a, a winner in that way. And I know it's a cliche term to throw on somebody, no, but, but it's amazing how things can be going against him where he doesn't have this pitch or that pitch and just grind it out, find a way. And how about the way Callaway handles the bullpen or lack thereof in that sixth inning? You know, I know he didn't have anybody ready necessarily then started to get Gazelman up, but maybe other guys would have hit the panic button and said, oh boy, bases loaded, nobody out. Let's get him out of here. Or after he gives up the, you know, the bullet to Kendrick that was caught by Reyes, maybe you pull him out of there after that. No. let He worked himself in it. Let's let him get himself out of it. And he did just that. And then you could go over to the pen. Callaway's handled the pen. I mean, I know that they They've pitched effectively when they've been out there, but his usage has been perfect. I love everything, every way he's handled it. You have to give him credit for Lugo and Gesellman because they haven't pitched out of the pen before. So even just the idea to use those guys in that role rather than keep them straight uh, stretched out at AAA Las Vegas, you got to give him credit for that too. And I do feel bad, though, for Terry Collins just because I know everyone's yeah. going to talk about Callaway and compare the two, but especially in this spot, remember, Terry Collins was begging to get those guys in the ro- or had no choice but to have those guys in the rotation in 2016. Imagine him having those two out of weapons or, or weapons coming out of the bullpen. I mean, think about the difference of you know the arsenal that Callaway has compared to what Collins. Has. It wasn't an option last year. Collins early on last year they were without Lugo. They were without Steven Matz. Gaselman was pitching out of the rotation. Harvey was hurt all year. Uh, it's not the same situation. But as I talked about with Collins last year, it was just the time had come for a change. Right. And sometimes you just get a boost by you can you can repaint the walls and it makes you feel better about your house. Smells it, nicer. There's more room all of a sudden. You it, feel it, like you, yes. It, it just you had to change it up sometimes, and I think that was uh, what they needed to do this off season in, in Callaway. He's in the honeymoon phase. But I do think Callaway is a big-time manager, or going to be. I really do believe that. I, it's not a knock on Collins, but I do believe this was a great— Think about it compared to Dave Martinez, to Gabe Kapler, to Aaron Boone. Already, in a week of baseball, those guys have made boneheaded decisions. What's I mean, that, what was the boneheaded one for Dave Martinez? How did he not have a lefty up in the bullpen no. today yeah. to face Jay Bruce? No. I mean, they were talking about it during the, during the broadcast on SNY. Why would you not have a lefty up and ready to go in that spot? Not to mention his antics in spring training with the cliche, oh, the camels, let's bring the camels in. Get over yeah, the hump. A, yeah, right, get over the hump, please. How about you bring in a lefty? Forget about bringing in a camel, bring in a lefty. He brings yeah. in a camel, peep, and not the lefty. Nah, that, Bruce. Nah, that was a big spot, a big miss. And they got four lefties in that pen. They're all just hanging out, getting some sun uh, out there in the in the bullpen. Think about that. Not warming up. Think about that. A lot of teams, I mean, most teams have one. The Mets have, have one. one. All right, most teams have one. This guy has four. Four of them, and he's not going to one against Jay Bruce with the bases loaded. I mean, what are you doing? Somebody wake Dave Martinez up, please. That is inexcusable. Uh, we grabbed some calls, too. 800-321-0710. Mets an 8-2 win over the Washington Nationals. 5-1, and one, Sal. 5-1. and one. Yeah, I mean, you know, could be undefeated, but you'll take it. <laughs> This is Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy, Salicata on the Voice of New York, 710 WOR. Today. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone. Here's Pete McCarthy and guest co host Sal Licata. The Nationals not the only team to have their home opener today. So the Minnesota Twins enjoy their home opener. Uh, they're still playing the Seattle Mariners. So as part of the festivities, with it being opening day, the Twins got a, a bald eagle. Oh, to, yeah, I saw this. To fly around the stadium. 
James Paxton is the starting pitcher for the visiting Seattle Mariners. He is standing on the field, I guess uh, outside the bullpen, saluting the flag. And the bald eagle flies up to him. He, he kind of ducks a little bit. The eagle grabs his back and tries to perch on his shoulder. So weird. And Paxton, I mean, to his credit, like he, he tried to duck the eagle uh, initially and then is basically just standing up and letting the bird do whatever the heck he, he wants he to do. He remained as calm as you could possibly I, be in that I spot. would be running yeah. away. I'd be <laughs> swatting at the thing. Ah, yeah. Get me out of here. I'd I know, be the I mean, guy to accidentally kill a bald eagle yeah. and then that would be it. Then my baseball career would be over. You don't want to get in a fight with one of those things. No, I mean, no. When they're endangered, yeah. you don't want to have any part of that. But, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I was impressed by his poise. Yes. Yeah, now, no. how's he pitching? Uh, he did okay. He threw five innings, two-run ball. Oh, come on. That's, you know, it's lousy. Seven strikeouts. Mm. It's a good fantasy day. Is it? Maybe that's why people get caught up in these numbers. Oh, five, <laughs> five innings, two runs. As if that's good? No, right. you're, supposed to go, you're supposed to go nine innings, two runs, oh, not five gosh. innings, two runs. It's 38 degrees in Minnesota, yeah, Sal. That's fair. I thought it was, where was the snow? What, Fernando Rodney? When was that? That was, that yesterday. was yesterday where, in where Pittsburgh. Oh, okay, Pittsburgh. Okay. Get used to more snow coming up uh, potentially Saturday. Oh. The more I look at the the forecast, it kind of is pushing back later in the day. I mean, who knows? Maybe they're able to play a little bit on Saturday, and we shouldn't just automatically count it as a as a snow out. In your mind, you have a you have a, a snow day coming. I, in my and mind. I've had that before. You know, with going to school or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, oh yeah, it's a snow day, and then boom, it, you don't have the snow. Yeah, so the, the Mets and the Nationals. They'll have to <laughs> keep that in mind. But you know, uh, our producer Ray was making a good point. He lived down in D.C. when he was in college. They don't handle the snow particularly well down there. So even if it's just in the forecast, it, they may not want people driving to the ballpark. So who knows what they do? But uh, that one might get called early. We'll uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Let's grab some calls here. Bobby in the Bronx. What's up, Bobby? Hey, how you doing? Um, piggybacking on that uh, last caller with Nemo. Being that the Mets pitching has struck out the opposing teams more than. Average ten strikeouts a game. Why don't we just put him on first base? He won't see no action there with the Met pitcher because he's not a first baseman. He doesn't play first he base. First base? No, I think he played first base a couple of times last year. If you could look it up, Nimmo, I don't remember Nimmo ever playing first base. But I'll look it up. Look it up at the end of the year. He's not. He's, he's not a first. He's not a first baseman. That's why you don't play him there. Okay. I mean, it's pretty I simple. I saw him play a couple of games. Okay, well, he might. He might have played a couple of games. He's not a first baseman. I mean, I know, but he, we need him in the lineup. I know he's not a first baseman. So is Flores not a first baseman? But Flores is a is more of a first baseman than Nimmo is. At least he's put the glove on before. Nimmo didn't play any games in the majors at first base last year, and I'll, I'll check okay. the minors. Not, not to he's mention, never played first base. And not to mention that Gonzalez is not a uh, is not a problem right now. Adrian Gonzalez plays a smooth first base, and he's been a productive hitter so far. Gonzalez been uh, been okay, and nothing special offensively out of him. But I'm I'm not pushing him out just yet. You, you know, I wasn't high on Gonzalez coming in. You're a little higher on him. Um, but for what he is, but- yeah. But I think it's just a matter of Nimmo fits this lineup, and he's a perfect leadoff hitter for them. And if you could go, let's say Nimmo, Cespedes, Conforto, and, and so on and so forth from there, that's their best lineup. Their best lineup has Nimmo as a part of it. But I don't see an, a way 
to force his bat into the lineup well, right now. But the idea of him at first base makes no sense. Not only because he's not a first baseman, but why wouldn't you just put Jay Bruce there, who actually has played some first base, and put Nimmo in the outfield? Well, it, it what seems would be the... Bruce told us he's willing to play there, but I don't think he's in a hurry to play there. And even kind of reading between the lines when we had Bruce on... I, I don't sense that he's in any hurry to be moved from right field. Which He'll do fine. it if he has to, but he's not he's not, you know, jumping at the opportunity to play right, first. Right, but of the two, are you putting Nimmo at first base or are you putting Bruce at first base? Well, you know Nimmo's attitude, he'd he'd run out, grab a first base glove and, and try to learn the position in four seconds. So I, I think it's more just a question of how can you get Nimmo's bat in the lineup? If we're saying Brandon Nimmo's bat is important to this team, and he's the kind of leadoff hitter that they just haven't had in recent years and makes this team better, and their best lineup is Brandon Nimmo within it. How do you get his bat in the lineup? You put him in right field, and you put Jay Bruce at first base. I mean, uh, to me, it's very simple. Uh, otherwise, you got to beg Rob Manfred to make a DH. There's no, there is, there's no other way to make it happen. There is not one way to make it happen. Yeah, and that's it. But it doesn't. Right, well, I don't for injury. I mean, that's the only other way is to get somebody hurt. But well, then, if somebody gets hurt, then, he gets. You know, he'll spell some guys in the outfield shortly once they start playing every day. So he'll be out there. He'll get some time. Uh, but yes, um, you know, first base. I, I just don't see. Bruce playing there every day. And we had Sandy Alderson on a few weeks ago as well. And, and Sandy said that they'd be comfortable, you know, playing Bruce at first base at any given time based on what he showed last year and that they didn't need to see it over the course of the spring. But my impression is if you don't play that position at all in spring training, you're not going to be asked to play it for any significant length of time during the year. I think that they wanted to cater to Gonzalez, and I yes. think that they are going to... I mean, look, unless Gonzalez falls apart, and then maybe even Flores to a certain extent, unless those two fall apart, I don't think that's going to be the option. The problem that you have, or the good problem that they have, is that Nimmo, right now, his bat's got to be in the lineup. And the only way to do that that makes any sense... It's to put him in right field and put Jay Bruce at right. It's the only way. The way this team is constructed, it's the only way. I mean, unless you want to trade somebody, and they're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Mac in Jersey. What's up, Mac? How you doing, man? You guys touched on so many things I want to jump in on. Uh, but I'm going to stick this time with Syndergaard and DeGrom because uh, after opening day, my good friend uh, Pete was saying that's the worst line he's going to have all year. I, I said one of the worst Pete. five lines, so I'm still right. Ah! <laughs> I'm still right, Mac. Check the tape. Oh, yeah, I got to check the tape. I swore you said I, I, the worst is going to be, but now here's the thing. We got you, you then said about the Grom today, you know, he grinded it out, you know, just almost offhandedly. The Grom is a better pitcher than Syndergaard. Agree. That's that's the thing. Syndergaard's better athlete. He's he's he's, he's all muscle and all this stuff. Yeah. But the Grom is a better pitcher. If it was Game Seven, everything on the line, I'd want the Grom starting instead of Syndergaard. Agree. I think you, Sal, you agree too, right? Yeah, of course. I yeah. mean, I we, we talked about it before. He's a bulldog. You saw yeah. what he did in the postseason. Um, I, I, you know, you love Syndergaard and you love his stuff. In 2015, I loved Harvey more than anybody, but DeGrom has been their best pitcher. He's the guy you trust in a big spot to battle even without the best stuff. Gene on Long Island. What's up, Gene? Yeah, how you doing? Uh, I wanted to just touch up on the uh, Gonzalez thing. I, I love them signing him. He, you know, he had an injury last year. He's a good hitter. You get 20 homers, he bats 270. Oh, he's not hitting 20 homers. He's not going to hit 20 homers. 
you don't know that. You, he had a back injury last year. If he dates, you know, if he stays healthy, he could be a good hitter. I mean, you got Frazier on the other side. You're going to look at 25 moments from him, but you're not getting 250 from him, batting average. Well, what are you going to get? He, you know, he's not a 250 batter. Well, what are you hoping to get? I mean, what was it? Didn't he say he wants a 250 P? Was that his goal? I think it was higher than that when we talked to him. I think he said more like 270. Yeah, he, had, right. he had some inflated numbers he was looking to reach this year. Uh, well, when we had Frazier yeah, on a few weeks ago. They brought those two in because they're good gloves and everything. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, and that's, that's part of it. But, it, you know, like Sal said, Gonzalez isn't hitting 20 homers. I don't know if he's hitting 10. Right. He's a good hitter. He doesn't have any power anymore. Well, you got to also remember he had an injury last year. No, but we haven't seen it this year. He hit one opposite field, wind aided homer in spring training. Thus far this season, he roped some doubles on opening day, but there were line drives. I mean, he hasn't hit one of the warning track yet. He hasn't hit one t- within ten steps and, of the warning track. And by the track. way, you don't need him to hit twenty plus homers on this team. They have exactly. they have other guys to do it. So you'll take ten plus homers if you get fifteen homers, two seventy five or higher from Gonzalez in good first base uh, defensively. I mean, that's that's a home run. Summer. That's why it's not a problem right now. Now you know somebody gets hurt that they're, they're at, without someone in this lineup, and then you, all of a sudden Gonzalez is hitting leadoff or. Uh, clean up and they're asking him to do that that's problematic to me that's where they're going to need some more thump there but I I I like the idea of Wilmer getting an opportunity over there and uh, and, and Gonzalez get the all the chances I'm sure this first month but if he's not hitting at the end of the first month I think Wilmer slowly stealing more at bats and more opportunities against right-handed pitching I think that's the way that I would handle it yeah I don't like it I love Flores strict platoon against lefty pitching he can hit righties and not not well enough to be an everyday player I just don't believe it I I don't believe that he can the only issue with Flores is you know when he has had these opportunities he hits for the first couple of weeks and then he seems to stall out that's what he's got to prove that he can do. But if he's, you know, picking up instead of twenty five percent of the starts at first base, it works itself to fifty percent. I think that he'd be a very productive player in that. I role. I'd rather. I think he would ace the role of facing lefties again, whether it's yeah, which he's going to do anyway. Okay, and I think that they'd be better suited to have Bruce play first if something happens with Gonzalez and Nimmo in right. That's their better lineup as opposed to going with Flores against right. And, and again, I'm not going to argue there. Absolutely, Bruce at first base is their best lineup I think they know that and there's a reason that they are not moving towards that in any way shape they or form to this to point they haven't had to yet Gonzalez they, has they, been they, fine they haven't had to yet at least have him take some ground balls at first base again I, I think that was more about trusting Bruce yeah. if need be he'll be ready and not wanting to offend the veteran in Gonzalez you know Bruce handled the oh, position last that. year but he didn't look great at first base no but he looked okay enough to where <sighs> he could get a few games under his belt and be alright he's not going to be Keith Hernandez or Gonzalez for that matter no. but you know, he'll be all right. Can he be oh, Lucas Duda? Didn't Alderson say that with you? you had, no, yeah. Lucas Duda, please. How's he doing, by the way? Uh, I know he homered on opening day, yeah. but I haven't. that was the last time I checked in on uh, the sure, old Duda. I'm sure that'll be it for a while. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be it for a while for Lucas. I've already seen Gonzalez with more opposite field base hits than Duda in uh, however many years we, had. we were unfortunate enough to watch him. But no homers. No homers. Yeah, Duda, 30 right. homer guy. 800-321-0710. Sports Zone, Pete McCarthy, Salicata on the Voice of New York, 710-WOR. In the WOR Sports Zone, here's Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. Did you catch what happened in Philadelphia today, Sal? Gabe Kapler. They booed him, right? Oh, just booed to shreds. Good at, for them. On opening day, before he even made a, a single move in that ballpark, they booed the heck out of him. 
And then he went out to pull his starting pitcher, Nick Pavetta, very well. But it was the sixth inning. He was at 97 pitches. Kapler took him out and, again, just mercilessly booed there at Citizens Bank Now, they they have to take him out, though, with 97 pitches. No, it was the right move, but it's because he took Aaron Nola out on opening day at 68 pitches and made 18 pitching changes in that opening series against the Atlanta Braves. And people like to say, oh, all these games are the same, and uh, a game in April means the same as a game in September, whatever. First impressions matter, and that first impression that Gabe Kapler made in Philadelphia is going to stick with him. He's going to be thought of as the mad hatter, the mad manager making all these changes and taking the pitchers out early throughout his time in Philadelphia. It's going to stick with him, and even when he makes the right decision in a game like today, he's hearing it. If you had to put a number on it, what would be your over-under for Gabe Kapler as far as... um... It's possible he doesn't make it through the season. That's what I mean. I I don't think he's going to make it through the season. You think he gets to the All-Star break? You think he gets, you know, if they really fall apart after that? I mean, you think it's a chance before that? I'd say after the trade deadline. Because if you're going to lose the team, that's where... He's already lost the team. I don't know if he's lost the team. Guys already are questioning He's he's lost the fan base. I think guys inside that clubhouse have already... You know, I haven't heard any evidence of that. Have you? Yeah, Anybody yeah, publicly? I, I was talking to, um, I don't know a specific player, I was talking to Andy Martino at SNY, and and I thought I saw it too, That some of the, but Martino had said it, I don't know if he even said it on the air or off the air, who knows now, it's all jumbled, but there was a conversation about the players already being perturbed at the very least with with all the happenings from Gabe Kaplan. Well, even in the Mets series, they they had some odd defensive positioning and shifting going on. And, right. uh, you know, J.P. Crawford, I think, did express that he wasn't, you know, totally comfortable in the position where he's in and that the Jay Bruce, it should have been a double play, and they ended up just getting one out, and the Mets were able to score a couple of runs uh, in that inning, and that, that ended up being key. But, uh, but yeah, he, he's certainly feeling it there. And, you know, Mickey Calloway, everything he's done has turned out perfect thus far pretty much right they're five and one on the season but that doesn't mean it has been perfect there's still some things we can we could pick at here i know uh one thing it sounds like both of us did not like today when uh we saw the lineup was jose reyes starting over ahmed rosario i i don't care that rosario had the big hit yesterday he doesn't play today that's not the aspect of it that bothers me rosario is just 10 times the player of jose reyes and they need his defense in there that's not that's no small downgrade to go from Rosario to Reyes defensively over there at shortstop, even if you don't like the matchup with uh, Steven Strasburg. Yeah, the one reason why I didn't think it was a big deal is because of Strasburg. Immediately you knew why it was. You don't want Rosario to get ruined by going into a slump after facing Steven Strasburg. I mean, they don't clearly they don't trust Rosario just yet. They didn't want him to face this type of caliber pitcher. So they're protecting this, him. I think so. Same, Similar to what maybe could have happened years ago. Remember the Conforto versus Bumgarner thing? Something mm-hmm. like that. That that's what I saw, so I didn't have a big deal with it. But when you compare the two players, there is no question that Rosario. I don't care if he went 0 for four today or 0 for five, uh, like John Carl Stan with five strikeouts. You'd rather have his defense in the lineup more often than not. But so early in the season, he's been an impact positively for this team so far. Do you want to risk? You know, ruining him maybe early on well, by having to protect Strasburg. him all the time. Yeah. You can be able to protect him against every tough him, right-hander that you face. They're protecting him already by batting him ninth, and it's worked out. I mean, they're you know having instead of having him bat eighth and have the pitcher behind him, he's facing better pitchers. Well, he's so, the eighth best hitter in the lineup. No, I know so, that. But instead of batting him eighth and the pitcher ninth, uh, 
they're they're protecting him that way so he could face better pitches. It's difficult to hit in front of a pitcher yeah. in the lineup. So they've put him in positions to succeed, and he has succeeded. That's why I don't have a big deal as not starting him today. But the problem is Reyes is terrible, and he's terrible. Def- you know, offensively, you're not getting anything from him. But defensively, I mean, he can't field the ball that hit right at him the other night. Mm-hmm. Today, he can't make a relay throw that should have the runner out by 10 feet. It was He's, he's bad. The caught stealing the other night drove me nuts. It's, oh, Harvey's at the plate. It's two out. Well, did he run on his own? Did we ever figure that out? I, I don't believe Callaway was asked about it after the game because the Mets won, right. so it doesn't become a big deal. But I actually I think that should be a big deal with Mickey Callaway professing it's got to be all about the team and guys got to be held accountable. To me, that was a selfish move. You're trying to steal a base, pad your stats. There's no baseball reason to be dying to get to second base when you have a pitcher at the plate, just clear the pitcher and move on and be done with it. That's the difference in hitting eighth and hitting first for Reyes, but you got to know that at this stage in your career. When I saw that, I, I seriously, and I know a lot of times people say, like, oh, I've never seen that before. I honestly don't think I've ever seen that before. A guy straight steal with two outs and the pitcher up. I mean, why would you ever? It just in the National League. I mean, obviously, it's only in the National League. It just doesn't make sense to do. Doesn't make sense to do that. It's. No. I, I don't think it, the risk is not worth the reward there, or the the other way around. The reward is not worth the risk in that spot. You don't steal with the pitcher up in two outs. It makes zero sense. I don't. I honestly can't remember a time I've ever seen that. Before. No, and that would be something that if I'm trying to institute a new culture with a team, I would be trying to snuff that out. I want and, to find out who it was. I don't know if it was just yeah. Reyes. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. What the baseball reason would be to steal there. Even if you saw something from the Phillies and thought it was going to be a free base, and Reyes would have had the base stolen if not for the, the guy blocked the base. So, you know, Reyes yeah. slid into his foot rather than sliding into the base. But even if you know you're going to steal, again, what is the, the upshot? Of that kind of thing. And, and by the way, uh, Harvey did I get know. up the next inning and lead off with a base hit. Yeah, know, <laughs> but it doesn't make, it's not, the, it, the the risk is not worth the reward. Yeah, it's about process, Sal. Process, yeah. not just results. Uh, yeah, I about, agree with that. So today, as Drupal Cabrera is hitting second, you know, it's another part of the lineup that maybe uh, raises an like eyebrow. That. I think what we've seen when Rosario hits nine, Cespedes hits two. When Rosario is not in the lineup, Cespedes hits three. I think that's why Cabrera's in the two spot today. If you're drawing up the lineup, let's say Saturday, and Rosario is back in and he's hitting ninth, how would you structure the top of this lineup? Great question. Now, you know I like Cabrera more so than you do, but I still didn't like seeing him in the two-hole today. I want Conforto Cespedes back-to-back. Mm-hmm. I'd have less of an issue if Cabrera hit leadoff. I don't love that either. But, I mean, no Nimmo in the lineup. I'd have less of an issue with Cabrera than Conforto Cespedes. So let's say today's lineup, without Rosario, Flip him. you would have rather seen Cabrera at the top and yeah. then Conforto Cespedes. Yeah, because I think... I don't want to separate Conforto Cespedes. That's my problem. Yeah. I want Conforto and Cespedes together. And if you're going to have Cabrera that high in the lineup, why not just put Conforto behind him then in that lineup? I think that's fair. I like. I, what's the point of having I'd him in between that. the two? Yeah, but this is why I like Rosario nine, and then you could go Conforto, Cespedes, Bruce, Frazier, and structure it that way. And Drupal down there. Then it's Drupal like and the Adrian. Yeah. As Rubles, you know, they like him at the top of the order, which I don't, I don't mind. He's a, they don't have a, a true guy besides Nimmo, and when Nimmo's not going to be in there, and as we've discussed, I don't think you're going to see a ton of him over the next week. Then Conforto gets stuck in that leadoff spot, but at the very least, 
if you have Rosario hitting nine, hopefully uh, Conforto gets some opportunities with men on base. Now, would you go? I was just trying to write down the lineup. Obviously, the be- if you put Nimmo in the lineup, right? Because we believe that ultimately that's the best. I know you're taking Gonzalez out and you're losing defense and a professional hitter, but you're adding Nimmo, the guy who could get on base and a true leadoff. All right, so if you got Nimmo in there, <laughs> but Nimmo, Cespedes, because Conforto. You want, right, because you want to have. It's just weird having Cespedes in front of Conforto, but it does make sense. Lefty, righty, uh, lefty. Bruce behind him at first. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You would go probably Frazier there, no? Yes, Frazier than Bruce. See, that messes everything up because now you have, you'd rather have Bruce up than Frazier, but. No, you could put lefties back to back. I'm not diametrically opposed to it. I don't think Callaway's done it at all, by the way, so far in the sixth line. Probably not. Probably not. Which I love. I love about the lefty righty balance. Well, let's say you had Nimmo Conforto lefty lefty at the top. So they're going to face some lefties late in games, but you have Cespedes behind them, and then you could go Bruce and Frazier. It's not the end of the world. You could go as Drupal and then Bruce and then Frazier. I don't. I, I don't, I don't Fra- want Drupal hitting that high. Yeah, I, know I want Fra- my best hitters at the top. I know Frazier's been good so far. Here's what drives me nuts about hitters: the dead pull hitters. It drives me nuts. Flores is a dead pull hitter. Frazier's a dead pull hitter. I can't stand that. I know that it works for certain guys, and not everybody's going to use all the fields. But eventually, that leads to rolling it over and five, four, three double uh-huh. plays. You I need can- the majestic beauty of the opposite no, field I just, single. I like the ability of the Tony Gwynn or bust. The guy could take an outside pitch and put it in, you know, in the gap in right center field, yeah. like Ploiecki, like. Adrian Gonzalez, like Michael Conforto. I love that. I can't stand watching too the guys dead pull hitters. But anyway, Frazier's been pretty good. I like when guys could take that outside pitch and pull it anyway for a home run. You know, yeah, well, good. I mean, if you do that, that's fine. But <laughs> nine, nine out of ten, it's, it turns into a ground ball out. Yeah. Uh, 800-321-0710, the number. Uh, you, you've been apologizing to a player today, uh, which we can we could dive into shortly Did here. you see that? Oh, I boy. didn't see it. Is it a, a legit, real apology? We'll, we'll find out. Uh, it's the Sports Zone, Pete McCarthy, Salicata on The Voice of New York, 710-WOR. Now more of the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Salicata. All right, back here in the Sports Zone. And Sal, uh, you, you've had some big apologizing to do, uh, apparently, today. What, uh... Who are you apologizing it, it to? It was funny because, uh, of course, I walk in SNY today, and I was scheduled to do the Baseball Night New York show that airs at 6 o'clock uh, weeknights. And the first thing the producer said to me is, do you feel like doing a uh, apology press conference today for Hansel Robles? I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Because he got six outs? <laughs> yeah. You got to apologize to he the guy? He didn't just get six outs. He struck out six of the seven batters he's faced. Can you believe uh-huh. Including Bryce Harper. Uh, so we had some fun with it. But no, it was not legit. As a matter of fact, at the end of the apology, uh, I basically said I cannot promise that this won't happen again and then uh we're joking around and but it's gonna happen soon him. yeah i mean you, you, this is going to flip around at some point it's just this is the style of pitcher robles is it's high fastballs come and get it baby and when it works it looks great he racks up some strikeouts and then he leaves one dead red middle of the plate and it's hit 500 feet now this may be me going soft here but do you think there's anything to callaway island Getting the most out of Robles, sending him down, telling him what he has to work on, and now having him come up and be effective. I don't possibly, and maybe it's beyond my comprehension of baseball, <laughs> uh, but I don't see well anything said. different. Yeah. It, he's throwing high cheese. This is what strange, he does, so. and sometimes it's uh, he gets it high enough, and the guys swing and miss, and sometimes it gets hit five hundred feet. I mean, I just think that he's a. Uh, 
hey, this is who I am, come and get it kind of pitcher. And, hey, that's great when it works, but when it doesn't, it's going to look as it does, and he's pointing up to the sky, oh, and the ball's goodness. going 500 feet. I, I think that bothers me more than the ineffectiveness <laughs> is him pointing up. I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. Pointing up as if it's a pop-up when he's giving up home runs left and right. How about yeah. the idea no more quick pitch for him? You think that helps? Is, is he not I, quick pitching I anymore? That there were, I, I thought that, that I heard. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't noticed in this particular in these two outings, but I heard that he dropped the quick pitch. I guess Familia, I haven't seen him quick pitch this year yet. No, oh God, you got to bring that back up. The quick pitch cost them at the World Series. I mean, um, but no, I, I'm with you. I, ultimately, I don't think I don't think you could trust Robles uh, at all. Now let's go to Mike in Hartsdale. What's up, Mike? Hey guys, how are you tonight? So, Mike. Uh, everything's good. That's exactly what I called about was the quick pitch. I told uh, the screener that I heard the SMY staff say they deep sixed it for uh, Robles, and I and I just I could not stand when Familia would throw it. I just think if you're a sinkable pitcher and a split finger pitcher, you got to follow through. And if you quick pitch, you run that risk of leaving that arm you know that arm slot high, which Familia did against Gordon in the World Series. So I was actually calling to find out if you guys heard anything about Familia not throwing that pitch. I haven't noticed it yet, and I'll I'll keep an eye out on it over the course of the year. I'll say I never had a problem with the quick pitch because it was awfully effective up to that moment. And I, I really give the Royals credit for being ready for that and to have that in the report and Alex Gordon for, for studying it in that spot. I, I guess I never had a problem with it until I had a major problem with it. Because you don't <laughs> need to th- get hit all year on that don't pitch. Need to throw, a lot. Don't need to throw a quick pitch. Just throw an effective pitch. I mean, enough with the trying to get around things. It's different with Familia, too, because he has plenty of stuff to be able to not have to use that. And again, I'll forever hate it because I, I firmly believe it cost the Mets a World Series. Who's the pitcher who brought that here? Is it LaTroy Hawkins? Was is that him? Yeah, he brought the quick pitch, the and, gift that keeps on giving, and taught it to a lot of the the pitchers. And, and think, well, what are we five or six years later? Uh, the the that impact long? that a veteran can have. I mean, oh, Latroy Hawkins, Hawkins. Hawkins is he wasn't here twenty fourteen, right? He was here before that. So I forget. Yeah, those, I mean, are some, those are some lean years. Been like five years, yeah, <laughs> and uh, yet it, it, it's still around. All right, Sal Licata's got you covered for the next hour. We got coming up, Sal. We got Naira CEO and President Chris K. As you, you got the big weekend on the Derby Trail here starting up, plus a big new promotion for the Belmont Stakes. I'm going to do plenty of Mets stuff. We'll keep you updated on the happenings in the Yankees game. They're scoreless right now. Now with the O's out at Yankee Stadium, taking the calls, of course. A lot of baseball. Do some Naira as well in the final hour of the sports. And Tim Tebow in a home run. Sounds good to a full hour on Tim Tebow. Uh, So that's coming up. We'll do some weather as well. (laughs) Let's hit the news.